Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it begins. A desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 167, where we are going to be talking all about Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and we finally get to begin the Siege of Mandalore, the end, or the beginning of the end, I should say. So, uh, it's, it's... It's getting kind of crazy, Jesse. Don't know if I can be able to handle myself. I know. I feel like every new episode, it's like you're so excited for it, but you almost don't want to watch it. Or at least that's me. <laughs> like, I almost yeah. don't want to watch it because I know it's almost going to be over. Yeah. Which is silly, but. <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately, it'll be almost over. Or unfortunately, it is almost over. But at least at least Dave will get to sort of end it the way that he's always wanted and not, uh, you know, that like cliffhanger ending that we get in the lost mission season six. So, right. Yeah. All right. Well, before we start talking too in depth about the clone wars, let's go ahead and begin with the news. So exciting news from Disney plus the Mandalorian. Um, we're, it seems like we're going to be getting an eight part docu series, um, on Disney plus called the Disney gallery, the Mandalorian. So, I'm really excited for this. It's going to be all behind the scenes of them basically working on The Mandalorian. And this is coming out May the 4th. Am, am I correct on that? Yep. So, yeah, you're going to be able to stream this from Disney Plus on May the 4th. And I'm really stoked because this show was beautiful. And I yeah. can't wait to see, like, how they made it and all the details. Yeah, I was really wondering what was going to happen for May the 4th, you know, just because normally there's like special releases at like the Disney store or whatever. Certain companies have deals and I'm sure they'll still have online deals. But for me, May the 4th was like, oh, I'm going to go to the stores. I'm going to, you know, go out and do something and hang out with friends. And, you know, like we've done before. We, I remember yeah. getting pizza on May the 4th with you. And just kind of <laughs> hanging out, doing Star Wars things, but now no one's allowed to go anywhere. So this will be a great thing to uh, to start up on May the 4th. Yeah, I agree. I can't wait. And I was wondering how they were going to do this, too, with behind the scenes. So a lot of times, you know, you have to wait for, like, the, the Blu-rays or DVDs to get a lot of the behind the scenes content. Um, but that was never something I mean, at least I haven't heard about that happening it hasn't been announced that it's coming yet so this will be a cool way to get some of the uh behind the scenes stuff yeah that'll be interesting I don't think I've ever heard of a like just thinking about like the next closest thing like Netflix like I don't think I've ever heard of like a Netflix original being put out on DVD yeah it might just be something that just lives on Disney plus 
and like you have to have Disney Plus if you want to watch it. <laughs> I know. I just don't like that because I like being that collector that I am. Yeah. I like having that like physical thing. And it's the same thing with uh, Resistance Season 2. That, as far as I know, has not been confirmed to come out on DVD or Blu-ray or anything. Season 1 is out, but not Season 2. I don't know. I don't know. I just hope that they release it at some point to add to the collection. But maybe they feel yeah, like not a lot of people will buy it. I don't... I just feel like it's like a... It's a streaming exclusive, you know? Yeah. Like, they have to have a reason to get you on Disney Plus. And I feel like these exclusive shows and um, exclusive Disney Plus movies, like even like I think Lady and the Tramp was released only for Disney Plus. Like I kind of think that's where those things are going to live. Like that's going to be like the catch. Like I think the, the Mandalorian alone brought a massive amount of people to Disney Plus that might not have necessarily gotten it. Um, right. So I don't know. My my guess is going to be that it all stays here. Well, somebody call the ambulance because I'm going to be sad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Speaking of being sad, uh, San Diego Comic Con officially is canceled for this year, and we all know that celebration is probably going to be next on that list. I was talking to a friend of mine this past uh, week, and he basically he knows things. He was basically under the impression that Celebration will be canceled, and I just saw online that someone uh, earlier today, so today is, what day is it? Monday. They had emailed ReadPop about Celebration, and this is the response that they said. As of the moment, the show will run as scheduled. In the event that we postpone or cancel Star Wars Celebration, we will offer fans the option to either transfer their tickets to the new event date to receive a full refund of their ticket order. So um, I, I have a feeling that they just don't want to officially cancel it yet. Canceling it would be the right thing to do, especially since San Diego is, is canceled and that's a month prior. But it just makes me sad. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's really nice, though, to know that, like, you can transfer your ticket to the next year and you don't have to go through that anxiety of being like, oh, well, you know, it, I was up, you know, sitting at five different computers at once trying to make sure I got my tickets and now I got to do that all over again. Like, you know, at least yeah. at least you like that stress of it is over. You know, you're going whether it's this year or next year, like you have a ticket um, yeah. if you've already purchased one. So that's a nice thing that they're doing for people at least. I think the biggest bummer for me is that there was hope, you know, they had yeah. announced Celebration Anaheim, I had blocked out my vacation days, I, I literally had eye surgery in October, and I used one vacation day and came back to work, because I was yeah. saving my vacation days for my trip out to California, and, um, you know, now that's not gonna happen, probably, Rancho Obi-Wan's not giving tours for the rest of the year either. And it just sucks because if they would have never told me, you know, there's not a celebration in 2020, I would have been fine. I was like, okay, next, right. next one. But you apply for media, you buy your tickets, you purchase your, you know, pre-celebration pins and shirts and get all that stuff booked. And, and, you know, I have my flight out to California already. Like, all that stuff is ready to go. And then they're like, nope, sorry. Like, dang it. I know. <laughs> my hope it's is super... crushed. Oh, it super yeah. sucks. It really does. It's such like a big important 
and fun event, especially amongst all of this nonsense. It would have been a fun thing to look forward to, but it's better safe than sorry. Don't want to make Star Wars be the the name of what brought us all back down to the coronavirus's knees. (laughs) That would be awful. (laughs) Yeah. In a little bit of happier news of things you could be doing at home uh, during this bummer of a quarantine, um, Galaxy of Heroes has some new characters coming to it in from The Mandalorian. So you're going to be able to collect The Mandalorian himself, Cara Dune, and Grief Karga. You can add them to your Galaxy of Heroes teams now. I've been waiting for that. Like they, they're so on it when it comes to the Rise of Skywalker and a lot of the movies and things. Um, but like the Mandalorian's been out for a while. Where's our Mandalorian stuff? But now we finally get it. So it looks like Grief Karga and Cara Dune are coming on April twenty second, which will be right around the time that this is released. This episode, and then the Mandalorian is coming April thirtieth. So. Um, I'm very excited. I've been really into that game lately. Our guild has finally been able to complete the heroic tank raid. So I don't know if if, uh, any of our listeners play this game, but it's a mobile game. And it's one of those farming games. So you have to work on building your characters up over time. And you work together with other players and and things to complete guild challenges and and raids and things. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I finally feel... I finally feel like I'm at a point where my characters can beat up people. So if if they get the child in there, <laughs> just you know to force choke everybody, uh-huh. I'll start playing again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's annoying because you have to work and play so much to like get your characters up there. And if you don't have the time, it, it gets kind of tedious. But if you, like for me, I wake up in the morning and I get all my basic stuff done. And then I'll, like, a couple hours later, I'll get my energy. You know, you get, like, energy mm-hmm. every couple hours and kind of finish everything up there. And it's fun. Yeah, it does does take a while. So I'm hoping that the Mandalorian isn't, like, one of these crazy events where, you know, you're going to need, like, some really strong bounty hunters or something to get them because my bounty hunters are terrible but we'll see so on may the 4th i was talking a little bit about how i wasn't sure what was going to be happening on may the 4th this year but it's nice that we have uh not only the disney gallery for the mandalorian and also that's the final day and the final episode for the clone wars so we'll get both of those Um, But I have sort of a personal announcement that I'm very proud of, um, and it is, uh, I will let you guys know on May the 4th, so be looking out on uh, Twin Suns pages and my personal pages on social media on May the 4th, and we will also be releasing an episode of Twin Suns Transmission on May the 4th, so that will have the announcement on it as well, so just be on the lookout for that. Something to look forward to on that May the 4th date. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, the moment everyone has been waiting for. It's time for our discussion on Star Wars, The Clone Wars Season 7, and we begin with The Siege of Mandalore. We got the first episode, and Jesse. I felt like due to the high impactfulness of these episodes... 
that I should sort of hand the reins over to you, being such <laughs> a, a big Ahsoka fan, to sort of lead our discussion on the Clone Wars. I happily take those reins. I mean, the Clone Wars, as I say time and time again on this podcast, is what we what got me into Star Wars and, and got me in like obsessively into Star Wars and you know, deep thinking about it and everything. So this is right up my alley. So I'll yeah. take those reins. Absolutely. <laughs> but this episode was absolutely epic just from that very first opening scene of just you know they they forewent the little inspirational quote at the beginning and just said it was a lucasfilm limited production and made you feel like it was like a whole other thing so just right in that moment what what were you thinking (laughs) when you just saw that instead of like our regular clone wars opener I think for me, it was one of those things where you get so used to something, right? You know that every time you're going to watch a Clone Wars, every time you pop that disc in or hit the the A button, at least for me on Xbox, I hit A, um, you know, you get, you get used to seeing that inspirational quote. You get used to the big yellow letters that say the Clone Wars, and then all of a sudden Tom Kane starts talking. And then you hit A, and you're like... Um, what is this what's going on here you know this is so different and it just throws you off a little bit but definitely when it said that you know lucasfilm limited production i it brought me back to watching the movies as a young kid because if i'm not mistaken that's what the opening was the lucasfilm thing you know how it's sort of it's sort of evolved over time and now it's sort of like the silver shining letters that kind of go by but I'm pretty sure when I was a kid in the in the VHS tapes that I watched, they had that green Lucasfilm Limited same logo lettering. So it brought me back for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And as someone who like has never seen, I mean, I, I my cousin had the VHS tapes, but to be honest, I don't remember if they were the originals or if they had already been modified um, to what we see, you know, produced now. But I don't have any recollection of ever watching them unedited and unchanged as the yeah. very, very original, you know, version. So, so I didn't even recognize that as something that had been done before. It's just when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is something. This is going to be something special. This is different. This is a whole new ball game." As soon yeah. as I saw, it. and it seemed like they. We're trying to make it like a movie, you know, they, they wanted yes. to make it look like a movie production and I've seen a couple, actually one fan, um, he started up a petition to have the Siege of Mandalore released altogether in theaters once the theaters open back up and I don't think that will uh, happen, but it's got so over cool. a thousand signatures on it now, so I think, you know, you begin with a movie, the Clone Wars movie that was released in 2008 and finish it up with something similar. Oh, I'm gonna find that petition and sign it because that would be such a cool way to like reopen the world, you know, <laughs> for yeah. Star Wars fans at least to have something to do together and go out and get to see it on the big screen would be would be really really cool. Especially since 2020 it was supposed to be a year without a Star Wars film, so. Ah, oh, yeah, perfect. Um, but going right off of that awesome intro it gets kind of ominous right away 
because we start seeing everyone in, for lack of better word, their death locations. Yeah. <laughs> we see Ilik Sakura on Felucia, and Plo Koon is in his Starfighter, and it's just like, you know where you are. We're right at the start of Revenge of the Sith. It's about to kick off, and and things aren't going to go so well from here. Yeah. I, when I, so I actually saw someone post on Twitter that, um, it was a screenshot of Ayla on Felucia and Plo Koon in his Starfighter. And I was like, oh crap, like, did I just ruin this for mm -hmm. me? Do I know that we're, are we going to see that part of Order 66 with all the Jedi getting gunned down or not? And then I watched it and it was just kind of like in the, in the intro and I was like, oh, well, I didn't ruin anything for myself really, but <laughs> it was a close one. Yeah, they were just kind of setting us up to to know when you are yeah. in the Clone Wars. Um, so that was super sad and scary. Um, <laughs> but then we get Anakin and Obi-Wan again. And I don't know about you, but this felt, I don't know, they felt extra strong and extra, like, at the height of their power, both of them. Yeah. I think to me it seemed more so with Anakin. Like, Obi-Wan was still kind of like, he was like hiding and, you know, Anakin came he's like, I'm right here and kind of just took things by the reins. Um, but to me, I it brought me back to that line at the beginning of episode three, which we're very close to. And we have that confrontation with Dooku and Anakin and Anakin's like, you know, my powers have doubled since the last time we met Count and they really show Anakin being powerful. Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan did get to split that missile in half over Cody's head. That was pretty epic. That was cool. <laughs> Yeah. That was. But after we get to see Anakin and Obi-Wan basically dominate the droid army, um, they get a very exciting call that I feel like held a lot of interesting information um, in it from Yularen. So what did you think of getting to hear the words fulcrum again that was awesome and to be honest i wasn't expecting it and i know this was something that you and i had kind of talked a, a little bit about after um we watched the episode um especially with its you know its uh inclusion in in the ahsoka book and all that and you know thinking about the people who have that that name we know it's sort of like a, a code name mm -hmm. But Anakin's first instinct after hearing it was Sagarera. I was like, oh, jeez, man, we're right. really, we're, we're just going all over the place now, you know? We're, this yep. is the final four episodes of Clone Wars. We're bringing in Sagarera. We got the Mandalorians. We got all these, you know, all these cool characters. Um, and so it really just kind of made me feel like everything was finally being put into place it's like when you're building a, a you know a big lego set or something and you can finally start to see it take its form and take its shape yeah i totally agree and at first i feel like when i first heard that i was i was confused because we know that ahsoka you know we see at the end of the ahsoka novel that what in my head at the time it was kind of like a discussion about what she was going to be called um for, by Bail Organa, and they and she uses the name Fulcrum. She decides that she tells him to call her Fulcrum. Um, so I was thinking, you know, how this all fits in, and when 
did she start going by that name and was she already going by that name? And now I just kind of realized from like watching with closed captions on and literally rewatching this part over and over and over again, just to think about the name Fulcrum. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's something that Anakin made up to use to speak to Saw Gerrera. And he mu- he had to been doing that for a long time, because like you said, he saw Guerrero in his head right away when he heard the name Fulcrum. So Ahsoka had to have known about it. And I feel like she like chose Fulc- She chose it now because she knew it was a way to get information to Anakin. But like I feel like, again, she chooses it later as like an homage almost to Anakin. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the people that were close to Anakin, close to Ahsoka and like all the clones and everything... You know, we don't know how the Siege of Mandalore ends. And we we have a lot of people that, you know, die, <laughs> probably. So a lot of the <laughs> close know. close people that might know what this is, you know, maybe maybe have no idea. Or maybe maybe they think are dead or, or whatever, you know. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to this, and it's not... You know, I don't have all the answers, obviously, but Lucasfilm, I know they do a really good job at keeping the continuity, and um, I don't tell a ton of stories just because I feel like you guys don't care about my stories all the time. (laughs) But um, I will say this. One time I went out to California, and I had dinner with Andy Gutierrez and Matt Martin and AJ. And uh, it was downtown San Francisco because they were all at work at Lucasfilm. And um, Matt Martin had told me that he was in the process of reading the Ahsoka book. And I was really jealous because I was very excited about reading the Ahsoka book. I could not wait to get my hands on it. And obviously this was, you know, Matt Martin in the story group reading the Ahsoka book. And um, you know, no one spilled anything about what happened in the book or anything like that. They were, they were, you know, Lucasfilm is very locked tight on that. Um, but he did say that he was reading it. And so I know all the books are read by the story group and are, um, gone through by the story group. So that you have the author who writes something and then the story group reads it to make sure that everything's good. You know, so I know that um, the story group was involved with the Ahsoka book, and I know that um, they're involved with the Clone Wars as well, pretty heavily in both instances. So I don't, I don't have an answer, but I'm sure there's something behind it. I agree. It's it was very exciting to hear again in in any form. Um, yeah. Whether we get more ex- explanation or not, I feel like this could even just be one of those things where Dave Filoni is like, "It's up to your interpretation. Have fun." <laughs> Yeah, he does that. Um, yeah, he does that a lot. <laughs> um, but from there, we get the, the meeting, the first look of the Anakin-Ahsoka reunion with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. They appear via hologram, and we get their first reaction to seeing each other for the first time again. So overall, in the uh, everything we see with them you know, meeting each other again and seeing each other again. What was your thoughts? Like, what what were your feelings when you first saw them together again? Well, I'm kind of getting the same sensation right now just thinking about it when, you know, I I go back in my brain to that scene. And it's, I think the best way to describe it is goosebump inducing. 
just because you yeah you know these characters and you know what they've been through and you know how important they are to each other and now they're finally getting that reunion and um i i have a couple things i want to say about sort of like their you know when they first get to see each other but when the shuttle lands or the fang fighter the mandalorian fighter it lands um on the republic cruiser and the ramp comes down, you see Ahsoka walk down, and you have Anakin and Obi-Wan and R2 kind of just waiting there for her to get off the ship. It took me immediately back to the Clone Wars movie. If you think about that, Ahsoka was sent Aww. on a shuttle, she walked down the ramp, you have Anakin, Obi-Wan, and R2 waiting for her to get off the ship. And I don't know if that was intentional or if I'm reading into it, but it took me right back to the very beginning when we first get to see Ahsoka. I don't think you're reading into it all. That sounds amazing. And I feel like there's other moments throughout this that I felt that same way. But that, this one hadn't caught on to me. Like, I felt that way with them kind of, like, jumping out of the shuttle later and, and, you know, scaling their way down to Mandalore. It made me think of mm-hmm. them, like, scaling their way up the side of that cliff Yeah. Um, in the first, you know, movie of the Clone Wars where we got introduced in that same, you know, movie you're talking about. Um, so yeah, I feel like they definitely spiced it up with a lot of those like nods from beginning to end to kind of like full circle it and bring it all together. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like I said before, it's goosebump inducing. You just get like, it's like a weird sensation. You get excited and you're sad and you're anxious because you don't know what's going to happen. And yeah. And you could see it in Anakin. Like this is... Mm -hmm. He fought so hard for her, and she ended up making a decision that was right for her, that was best for her to leave the Order, and now she's sort of coming back into his life. And it's it's hard for both of them. But yeah. Ahsoka knows where she wants her path to go, and Anakin knows where he wants Ahsoka's path to go, <laughs> and they're not the same place. I know. And I, I thought it was really interesting that right away after they are walking away from the initial transmission they get from them, Anakin goes into this whole thing about how it was basically, he, he doesn't use the word destiny, but like he's like talking about destiny basically, like this is why she left, This is she's in the right place at the right time to catch Maul, it all makes sense now, and he gets like mad when Obi-Wan says that's like just a, a way to look at it, he's like, it is the way to look at it it's like he lifts this like weight off himself where it's like it's not my fault it's not the jedi order's fault i'm i'm everything everything's right with the world he like kind of like works himself up into this like positivity which i thought was really interesting to see from anakin right now because we know the struggles he's about to go through and about to have and all the doubts he's about to have about the jedi order it's like he's just, just clinging on to this like hope right at the bitter end yeah right right before it's all taken away from him (laughs) i know and as you're watching it at least for me and ahsoka's sort of being a little standoffish with it yeah um i was like no just be friends again just like just ask anakin how he's doing and you know catch up um but you know that ahsoka these are the same people that essentially betrayed her and and while anakin didn't necessarily betray her he fought for her and and whatever but obi-wan sat up on that council that convicted her you know found her guilty and 
maybe he didn't necessarily believe it, but he sat up on that council. And the Jedi as a whole are, are you know, what she's been trying to get away from. And I think she put up a she put up a big wall, you know, when she first was reunited. And um, Anakin was able to break that down a little bit as we continue. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting to see them in that state because we've seen them be so close for so long and joke around and snips and sky guy. And now it's like, we'll we'll catch up later, you know. I know, and I was so worried that, like, it was going to end with her just being standoff, like, standoffish to him, and, like, that was going to be, like, her last chance, and that was going to be horrible, but um, but we got to see them reconnect over Anakin's surprise um, of the clones, which is something that we've seen, um, we got these images kind of from Dave Filoni years ago i i can't even remember it wasn't last celebration i feel like it was the celebration before that where there was a panel that he did um i wish i could remember the name of the panel but it was something like um lost stories or or like some. it was it was basically a panel about what he would have done if he got to end the clone wars which yeah. i'm sure he's kicking himself now for showing um, us all yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but he had these uh, concept arts of these clones that with had their faces painted or had their helmets painted like Ahsoka's face. Um, so this, I feel like, was a moment that Ahsoka fans everywhere, you know, who were clinging on to every word Dave Filoni said since the end of the Clone Wars to, to get any grasp at more Ahsoka information they could. Um, this was super satisfying and super beautiful to see um, her get surprised by everybody. And it was definitely... A super tear-jerking moment uh, for me. I don't know about you, but I was I was crying. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent. Hold on, I had something. Oh, yeah. I I would be lying if I said that there wasn't you know any tears in my eyes because it shows you from the clones' perspective how much respect they have for Ahsoka. And Anakin, I think he says, you know, the clones know what you went through for them every day. And this is, you know, they're they're loyal and they're loyal to you. And they, you know, uh, Rex even's like, you know, the paint job's not that great, but gets the job done or whatever it is, you know. And I think even as Ahsoka's walking into that room and the clones are like, Commando, Commando, you know, like they... They're acting like Ahsoka hasn't been gone. They're acting like she's just another day, you know? I know. it's It has to be overwhelming for her to be... I feel like... I almost feel like she, in a lot of moments, she's kind of, like, tiptoeing around everything and trying not to... It's almost like she's trying not to look at them and look at Anakin and, like, reconnect. Yeah. She's, like, holding back. And then I feel like this moment just really, like, lets her kind of be happy to be back. Yeah. Do you think that it was all the clones having, you know, their armor painted like that? Or do you think it was Rex more specifically? Or do you think it was just kind of a combination of both? I feel like it's a combination of both. I feel like it's just the... The acceptance, because you could you could just imagine walking away from something and never looking back and just 
over time you might, you know, think back and be like, I, you know, maybe I made the right choice by leaving, but like, do all those people hate me now for leaving? Like, have I betrayed my friends? Did I let them down? And she probably was going through all those thoughts leading up to going back to see them. Not only like the temptation of the life she once had, but like, will everyone be happy to see me or am I like a traitor? Yeah. So I feel like that's just let her let her know that she was not forgotten and and that they still value her more so maybe than ever before. Yeah. And then I think one of my all-time honestly favorite moments comes up when, you know, everything kind of all breaks loose. Everything starts tilting towards the point of Revenge of the Sith. Anakin and Obi-Wan are off to go rescue the Chancellor, and they just have to have this quick little argument about what to do with Ahsoka. And Anakin <laughs> and Obi-Wan are just arguing, and Ahsoka just keeps looking back and forth between the two of them. And it was just really, really cute. It reminded me of old times, and Ahsoka kept looking to Anakin to be like, what are you going to say next? How are you going to get us out of Obi-Wan's, you know, goody two-shoes-ness this time? Yeah. Anakin always finds a way. He's always got the loophole. He does. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that he chose to like to promote Rex. Yeah. And it it's like this is also kind of like the way that you know leads us down the path of you know where we're going to be Order 66 and it kind of like explains you know where Rex was in all of that and, and we know he removed his chip so we know he's not going to try to kill Ahsoka or anything. Right. Um but what's cool is we get that moment in Rebels where Rex is kind of explaining himself about like, yeah, I didn't. He says I didn't, I didn't um, betray my Jedi, and it's cool to think that like he was talking about Ahsoka instead of Anakin, you know? Yeah, because he wasn't Cause... even there, and Anakin at that time wasn't even a Jedi. Well, I guess Ahsoka's not either, True. but like Neither Anakin was, Anakin was down the dark side path at that point, so. Right. It just explains, I think, a lot, too, just for the whole story arc of where Rex was at the time. So I love that he went with her. Yeah. Um, But also these blue sabers that Anakin gave her at the very end. um, And just seeing Ahsoka's face when she got them, I think, was a really cool moment. It's like she she felt like like Anakin was still there for her, you know, like that's just something special you do for someone you really, really care about. Um, and of course, Anakin had to modify them to look more like his. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it really shows. And I, I watched this episode through a few times and Ahsoka really, I think they did a really good job of showing Ahsoka's growth into what we see in Rebels. You know, she seemed more like an mm-hmm. adult Ahsoka. Like it was like Clone Wars, but like adult Ahsoka with a little yeah. bit more spunk to her. You know, she's still... You know, race you down to the surface. Like, she was still the Clone Wars Ahsoka, but, like, she seemed like she was acting more adult-like. And when you look at it from Anakin's point of view, I just keep thinking back to, you know, some of the early seasons of Clone Wars where, like, at the the Separatist listening post, you know, Ahsoka is taken on Grievous by herself. And when Anakin finds out, he's like, what? Alone? And, like, starts running after her. And now here, she's going up against Maul. Anakin is, like, the number one supporter of her going to do that mission to help Ahsoka out by sending the clones, sending Rex. And 
he says, if you're going to face Maul, you'll need these. That really shows the confidence that Anakin has in Ahsoka. This is a, a Sith or a former Sith that even Kenobi hasn't been able to take out. Kenobi hasn't been able to kill him. And he even says something about that. He's like, you know, it's best to capture him because I've... Yeah. He just won't die. Um, but Anakin's <laughs> like, here, here's your lightsabers. Have at it. The, and there's that moment, too, where it, it almost, like, foreshadowed the next time she sees him, basically. Um, where when she's, like, first messing around with the lightsabers, she when she first ignites them, she kind of, like, starts swinging them around. Mm-hmm. And then... From her point of view, we see them like crossed in front of her face, looking up at Anakin, and it's like the next time we see that, it's crossed, but she's crossed with Vader. Yeah, it's like almost that, like it was almost a perfect mirror image of that scene of them fighting in Rebels. I did not notice that. Really That's sad. awesome. Yeah, it's That's sad terrible. to think that like them walking away, like this is it. This is this is. Ahsoka in Rebels saying to Ezra that, you know, the last time she saw him, he was going off to save the Chancellor. Like, this is this is it. Anakin's out of the Clone Wars. We're done. This is... <laughs> yeah. I just keep thinking back to Anakin and his attitude at the beginning of Clone Wars, and I know we talked about this after we saw the episode for the first time, but, like, he's joking around with Obi-Wan, and granted that's normal, but, like, he seems like he's in good spirits, and, you know, they're... Anakin just seems happy and positive, and I feel like a big part of that is seeing Ahsoka again shortly before having to go off onto this mission, you know? Anakin, you know, prior to that was getting kind of frustrated with the Bad Batch and with Rex and with Rex creating friction with the Bad Batch and, you know, Obi-Wan making fun of him for talking to Padme to seem like his, even his facial demeanor was like, he was like agitated and he was getting stressed and, you know, probably yeah. not a lot of sleep. And then Ahsoka comes in and he's like a totally new person and he's excited and he, you know, was happy to see her. And that translates a little bit into what we see into Revenge of the Sith, I think. So I think that was a fantastic job. I totally agree. And then going into what was definitely the highlight of maybe all of the Clone Wars, if I may be so bold, um, we go <laughs> into the Siege of Mandalore. Um, so before we get into the details on that, overall, Siege of Mandalore, did it exceed your expectations? I don't think it's over, but so right. far, did it? Yes. I was not <laughs> expecting it to be like this. I was I was not I expecting it to be like this at all, and I didn't really. I mean, I, I remember reading the Ahsoka book and listening to it, but it was years ago, like back when it first came out, and I don't remember everything about it. And so I'm sure if I would have read it, it would have you know given me a little bit more insight to how this was all going to play out. But you know, like I said, it's been years, so I don't remember everything about it. But um, just seeing some of the familiar characters come back and, um, you know, the matchups that we see, I think, were were phenomenal. I mean, they it watches, as you watch it, it feels like a movie. And I know we've said that before, but I feel like they put so much effort into the Siege of Mandalore that um, you just can't help but think this was a, a fantastic introduction to the Siege. I totally agree. I, that, this is also my like movie moment where I was like, oh my God, this is, this has to be a standalone. Like this is like, <laughs> this could be Clone Wars the movie if we continue through the whole rest of the siege in these four episodes. Um, 
but it was so epic to watch Ahsoka. I mean, in the beginning of the Ahsoka novel, it's pretty vague. I haven't read read through it in a long time, but I did recently kind of like page through those first couple of chapters where they're that first. I'm sorry, it's like a prologue um, where they're kind of she's kind of like thinking back when I first read it, just reading that part over and over again, being like, huh, where? what are they doing? She's fighting yeah. all. And, and so it's super cool to get to see that um, start to play out here. Um, but just watching her and Rex banter back and forth, like you were saying, and I don't need a parachute or, or jetpack. I'll just jump out of the plane. <laughs> and you yep. just get to see how proficient and, and awesome Ahsoka still is and how strong she still is in the force even though she hasn't been using it to her full abilities probably for a long time so I don't know for me that was just it was just really cool to get that standalone Ahsoka on her own just flipping through the sky making mandos (laughs) yeah and I think um, there was something and I'll maybe I can post it when I when I uh, post this episode, but Ahsoka's always been acrobatic, you know, and some people yes. like, I bet she was in a special, like, acrobatic class at the temple and not all the Jedi <laughs> took, you know. It's like, well, she's always been that right. way. I think that's just her character, you know. I remember in yeah. season three at the Citadel when they're walking through the, the tunnels um, and they have Tarkin, Ahsoka's literally, like, jumping from, like, beam to beam and, like, climbing up the ladder, like, jumping rungs and and things like that while, like, Anakin and Tarkin are just kind of walking along the, you know, the platform. Like, Ahsoka's always been this way, and we finally get to see, well, not finally, but we get to see her again utilized in that way just with her acrobatics and jumping and kicking and, you know, going from literally, like, the atmosphere essentially riding you know jetpacks down to the surface and jumping from gunship to gunship and just messing people up yeah no it's definitely it's that's just like her fighting style like she's yeah. like a small like she's still pretty she's just like a small human like she went from being this like tiny little kid padawan to like a still very like she's like a full head shorter than anakin still she's just a very thin statured person she's strong but she has to have like a certain style that plays to being smaller than everyone i think yeah so i feel like anakin like i mean i think this is something that dave filoni has said i don't remember when he said it but he said that anakin trained her to fight things bigger and stronger than her and i feel like this is that's just the style it takes it's like it's like the yoda when you watch Yoda fight, he's like bouncing off the walls, flipping through the air because he's so tiny. He has yeah. to like propel his little body all over the place. And I feel like Ahsoka kind of has some of that in her fighting style too to make up for her size. And Anakin essentially taught her how to fight himself, you know? Yep. <laughs> Which goes very well later. <laughs> yeah. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. So as they're coming to Mandalore... So I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. Do you think that Palpatine knew that the Republic would essentially split forces? Now, granted, most of their forces are going to be on Coruscant trying to rescue the Chancellor and and dealing with that battle. But as I watched this, I noticed that there were three 
Republic cruisers, like the big destroyers, like the Star Destroyer mm-hmm. type looking ones. Uh, there were three of those, the Venator class, I believe they're called, and then a buttload of gunships, and then um, obviously the Mandalorian ships were heading there as well. But do you think that Palpatine knew that the Siege of Mandalore would take some key forces, including, you know, Commander at this point, Commander Rex, and uh, even Ahsoka, sort of as a distraction? Like, because he knew that yeah. he had a separate plan for Maul, and, you know, that's the crime syndicates and stuff. And it seems like Maul, almost at this point, kind of has his own plans for taking out Kenobi. Um, but. It seemed like to me that Palpatine almost was pulling the strings even with this. I feel like it's safe to say at this point that he's been pulling the strings with everything from the (laughs) dawn of time. (laughs) So I definitely would not put it past him. I wonder if, though, just like Maul, he he wasn't ready for Ahsoka to be the Mm -hmm. one that gets drawn there. I wonder if... We, we know that him and Maul are kind of working together right now um, from when we last saw them in the Clone Wars. He had other uses for him. So I wonder if, you know, that was kind of like he was almost using Maul as, you know, he's obviously got him messing with the crime syndicates, but he's maybe this is like a huge distraction to kind of split Anakin from Obi-Wan because he knows how big of a tie Obi-Wan holds on Anakin on the side of the light. So I wonder if he was like, yeah, sure, draw Obi-Wan over there. That's perfect timing. I'm going to mess with Anakin, and I don't need Obi-Wan and, like, his feelings and positivity getting in the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, they get split up. Dang feelings. I know. They get split up anyways, but I feel like, I feel like, yeah, he he probably was like, yeah, that's that's great. That fits right into my plan, and, and it works for you, so it works for me. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder if because of that he wasn't expecting like Obi Wan to take down Grievous. Like, I wonder if that like wasn't part of the plan. You know, like. Right. He thought it'd be messing with Maul. I wonder if he planned for him to take down Maul. I don't know. I don't know, because it seems like at first when when Sidious realizes that Maul's around, he doesn't really want him. He calls him a rival, and they start this whole big fight Mm -hmm. and everything, so I don't know. You You can't tell me that down the road, as Maul continues to, you know, gain this essentially an army and, um, you know, be in charge of crime syndicates and stuff, that, um, Palpatine doesn't feel a little threatened from Maul's power, you know? Yeah, I'm still very interested to see, you know, because the timeline's hard, but obviously Solo occurs after all of this, years and years down the road, for Han to be the age he is. So, I mean, obviously the Siege of Mandalore doesn't put an end to Maul, we know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't put an end to him being in control of the crime syndicates. Right. And we know the Mandalore is still a mess. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'll be very, very curious to see, you know, what is, if anything, accomplished here. Um, Right. It's all up in the air. But we also get Bo-Katan back. We haven't talked about Bo-Katan very much in this episode yet. But I just love how everyone just keeps telling her that she's nothing like her sister. And she just keeps... 
she just keeps saying nothing and it's like that's the point and then just punches people in the face (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean she's she's got to be a role model i'm I'm thinking a lot of people view ahsoka as this you know role model for young women and it it seems like bo-katan she's just a go-getter i mean she's just like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do this and, you know, she's barking orders to other Mandos and, and things like that. She goes to the throne room to take on Almec. Like, she's just doing her own thing. And I feel like a lot of, you know, boys and girls watching the show can can view her as a, as a role model, you know? Yeah, she's awesome. And I love that Almec even, he tries to, like, appeal to her to be like, oh, the man, you're going to, unseating me will make all of Mandalore hate you, basically. And she's like, I do not care about that at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. she, she doesn't care how people are going to think of her. She's just doing what she thinks is best for her people, and nothing's going to stop her from just doing the right thing, even if it's in, like, a crazy, dark, kill-everyone-in-my-pathway. <laughs> yeah. And I noticed, too, that um, talking a little bit about Bogatan and Ahsoka together, if you take a look at what Ahsoka's wearing, it's all Mandalorian-inspired because uh, not only her actual outfit, but, like, her headpiece, you know, what's on her head. It's the same yep. thing. It's like the headband that Bogatan has. So it yep. seems like they she's really taken her, you know, and brought her to the Mando side. I agree. And it, it, that you you even just sent me a um I guess it's like the concept design of Ahsoka's new outfit that we see in this episode. Mm-hmm. And when you sent me that, I zoomed in on like Ahsoka's hip armor that she's wearing and it has like the night owl symbol of yeah. what like the 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 women Mandalorian have as like the design of their helmet. It's like on Ahsoka's hip, which is just a really cool detail. Yeah. But we end this episode, we get to Maul, and it basically is just him being disappointed. It's it's all a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a trap for Ahsoka, or for Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka's the one that falls into it. And we get left on this epic cliffhanger of Maul just telling her she's the wrong Jedi. <laughs> yeah. I When we first saw... So, like, Ahsoka's running through the tunnels and everything, and then all of a sudden we hear the metal clanging of Maul walking on the metal yeah. floor. And it it took me back to Rogue One when we see Saw Gerrera's metal legs kind of walking. And I was like, mm, yeah, that's definitely Maul. Granted, mm-hmm. Maul is a lot more intimidating. Maul is, you know, a lot more powerful and so this is a much more ominous sounding you know walk um but i honestly if i'm being 100 percent honest with you based off everything that we've seen in trailers for the remainder of the season now granted i've only watched them like once or twice i don't want to try to read into them too much um but i don't think that there will be any fighting between ahsoka and maul in their current location I don't think they're going to fight where we get them left off. I agree. I don't think so either. Just looking at the backgrounds of the places that they are actually going toe-to-toe in, it does not look like this location at all. So I wonder if, you know, Bo-Katan's going to swoop in for the save or if Maul's going to do some crazy stuff to 
try to get Obi-Wan to come instead of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're... I mean, if they go toe-to-toe, I, fe- I feel like it'll be short and then either one or the, or the other is going to hightail it out of there. Right. But... So do you have any final thoughts on old friends not forgotten? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I absolutely loved it. It blew my expectations out of the water. Like, I try to go into any new Star Wars content without expectations, except knowing that whatever it is, I'm going to like it, just because that's who I am, and I like to enjoy Star Wars like that. But seeing... Essentially having, you know, Maul's mini army with his Mandalorians and then you have Ahsoka's mini army with the clones. Um, They put so much of just the physical appearances into their their mini armies. You know, we talked a lot about the the clones having Ahsoka's face paint like on her on their helmets and stuff. And then if you take a look at Gar Saxon, so he's got like the horns on his Mandalorian helmet. They're all painted red. They've got the he's got the yellow visor, which kind of reminds me of like Maul's like yellow yellow red eyes and and everything. And I feel like you know people at Lucasfilm did a fantastic job, kind of making it seem like this is a huge Maul Ahsoka centered you know standoff, not just with those two characters, but with their followers as well. So that was really cool to see. Um, Obviously, it was cool to see Gar Saxon, a younger Gar Saxon, knowing where we see him again in Rebels. Um, And I don't know much about this character, but Rook Cast was um, from the Son of Dathomir comic books, and uh, it was kind of cool to to see her in there. Um, But yeah, I loved the episode. I thought it was phenomenal, and I... Like, a part of me wants all the episodes to be available right now so I can just, like, binge through them all. But, like, part of what makes this so crazy is the anticipation of what comes next. And for us to even be able to sit here and talk for, you know, 45 minutes or however long we've been talking about this episode um, and kind of talk about our feelings and and talk about how it made us feel and, and, you know, get excited for the next one. That's what makes it good. So I loved it. I know. I totally agree this episode felt like a treat and it's just just the beginning um i feel like this is what this whole season has been leading up to and it it's just so great to have ahsoka back and to see her diving off of ships and landing in balls of flame and i can't wait to see it all wrap up as a whole i i agree i just i wish i could watch it all as a movie right now because that is like what we've been saying that is what it feels like it's a start to a movie that we've been waiting for for years from 2008 when we first saw the first episode or movie or however you want to call it of the clone wars in theaters when we were in college like this is just it's it's definitely a beautiful beginning to an end um and it's fitting in with everything perfectly. So I'll be super interested to see if we get to see Order 66 in the end or not. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm already satisfied. So I have full faith that this is going to just be the most epic end to the Clone Wars than we could have ever imagined. It's been a long journey, and I think we are completely lucky 
to get this. I mean, we could have been yep. done with the Clone Wars after the Lost Missions, after the Disney buyout, but this is something that I feel like we are are just blessed to have. This is this is fantastic. And I remember in 2008 taking you, we went together to the uh, movie theater and we saw the Clone Wars and now here we are 12 years after, you know, the theatrical release of the the movie talking about the end, talking about the end of the Clone Wars. And it's going to be an extremely emotional thing for me. I'm sure it will be for you as well once we finally talk about the last episode of the entire series. Um, just because I feel like not only did Star Wars, uh, there, did the Clone Wars bring you into the Star Wars fandom, but it um, it kind of kicked off our friendship as well, you know, as, you know, freshmen in college going to to see star wars movies so um i think it was it was awesome to do that and i'm i'm excited and and probably gonna be a little emotional once we get to the to the last one since we've been on this ride for a while so um just can't wait to see how it ends all right great job jesse leading our discussion (laughs) on the clone wars uh you did a fantastic job and I'm looking forward to our discussion on the next episode. So before we go, Jesse, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to our our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll see all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and before we go, I do want to talk a little bit of book club news. So um, a couple things regarding book club. We are in our third week of Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston. So we are going to be finishing up next week with the book, and we'll have a podcast with our our thoughts and discussions. And, of course, um, if you would like your thoughts on the book to be mentioned on the podcast, make sure to send that over to us whenever you're ready. Also, we are going to be having discussion questions over the next couple weeks as well, so make sure you're prepared for those. And our voting for our book for the month of May has concluded. And after tallying up our votes on Twitter and on Facebook together, we combine them, it has been decided that in the month of May we are going to be reading the Rise of Skywalker novelization by Ray Carson. So that'll be fun and exciting to kind of get uh, the viewpoint from the novelization. I'm excited too because I feel like that is where you get a lot of deleted scenes, which we haven't gotten yet. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times those deleted scenes get woven straight into the novel. So if you're someone who is missing the deleted scenes on your uh, physical copy of Rise of Skywalker, then you might want to join us on this journey for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 167 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll be back again next week with more discussion on the Clone Wars. And as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. 
Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Yeah.